But let's pray and touch and agree on that which should be spoken and needs to be spoken into our hearts tonight. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight in the name of Jesus, asking for utterance, touching this thing, agreeing, Lord God, for you to speak to our spirits, Lord, that we may grow, that we may get stronger in our spirit. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of us, who is upon us and is also among us. We declare that now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is emancipation from any and all types of bondage. So we give you alone all of the glory ahead of time for that which you are doing, that which you will do in our hearts as a result of the spirit and the word of God that goes forth tonight in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, every one of you have a God-ordained plan or course to follow. And the most important thing in this life is to find it. And then to follow it. And then to finish it. In colleges around this nation, they study physiology. They study psychology. They study all of the ologies, biology. But you'll not find... In any secular university in this nation, nothing about being taught on the human spirit and the Holy Spirit. Dad Hagen, when he would teach this class down at Rama, he would call it spiritology. Spiritology. So unfortunately, the human spirit is probably the most misunderstood part of the human makeup. But it is the most important part for every believer. And the reason why, it is because it is our connection to God. In Psalms 139 and verse 14, I want you to turn there. I'll be asking you to turn tonight or until they can get the scripture up there. The 139th Psalm and the 14th verse. When you have it, say, I have it. All right, we have it. Psalms 139, 14, he said, I will praise you. Did you know that praising is an act of your will? For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Pay particular attention to this phrase. We are fearfully, we're wonderfully made. And marvelous is his works. The work that he has done in us is something awesome. It is something beautiful. We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. We are God's masterpiece. We are his poem. You could say it this way. We are the work of the master's plan. Amen. Amen. We are a chip off the old block. Say it with me. I am his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. So man is in a class all his own. We were not created from some glob of amoeba. We did not evolve. 
contrary to what this world may try to sell our children in the schools, we did not come from apes. We did not evolve. We are not some accident of nature. The scripture says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Made in the very image and in the very likeness of God. And for centuries and centuries, people have asked this question, who is man? And what is he all about? Thank God the Bible answers that question. Look over at the book of Hebrews, and we'll look at chapter 2, and verses 6 through 9, and then we'll go over to Psalms 8 and verse 3. Hebrews, the second chapter... Verses 6 through 9 says, But one testified in a certain place, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him? Now that's shouting ground right there to know that we are on his mind. That what is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. You have set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection. Where? You have put all things in subjection under his feet. Amen. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. That's good news. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. But who do we see? We see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for every man. Now that's an exact quote, just about now, uh, uh, from Psalms 8. So let's look at Psalms 8, and look at verse 3. Psalms 8, verse 3. Thank you, Lord. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers. How many of you saw the solar eclipse yesterday or Monday? Did you have your glasses on? When I consider the heavens, the work of thy fingers. Wow. The moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. And then he asked this question again. What is man? That you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him. Now notice with me in verse 5. It says, for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels. And what has he crowned him with? I think if we could see in the spirit tonight, you would see in all of our heads a crown of glory and a crown of honor. That Jesus has placed upon our heads. Amen. That's the anointing. Verse 6. Thou madest to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen. Yea, and the beasts of the field. The fowl of the air. And the fish of the sea. Whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. 
Oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Oh, Lord, my Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. This is the name that's above every name. This is the name that if anyone will call upon it, they shall be saved. They shall be delivered. They shall be healed. They shall be set free. How excellent is thy name. It's the more excellent name, the name above every name. Amen. Amen? But again, I want you to pay attention to this one verse in verse 5. Let's read it together as we go back there. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Strong says this, that that word angels literally is Elohim. Elohim. What this is saying, you have made man a little lower than Elohim. And Elohim translated is, you have made man just a little lower than God. Woo, man. That is a powerful, powerful truth. And so since we are made in the image and likeness of God, apparently... It is extremely important for us to understand that and to look at the making of man. When you look back at the book of beginnings, which is the book of Genesis, we look very carefully at how God created this world as we know it. So let's look back to Genesis chapter 1 and notice with me in verses 1 through 5. Genesis, the first chapter. In verse 1, right on through verse 5. In the beginning, what did God do? The Creator created. He created the heaven. And He created the earth. And we know that the earth was out without form and void. And darkness was on the face of the deep. But oh, thank God, the Spirit of the God moved upon the face of the waters. Even in the midst of darkness, the Spirit of God was there, ready, willing, and able to move at God's beckoning. And He's here tonight, and He's ready to move in your midst. Now notice with me, there was dark. The Spirit of God was moving upon the face of the waters. And the Creator, God, said. Yes, he did. So he released the very creative power of himself by releasing words filled with creative power. And God said, let there be me. God said, me be, and there was light. Yeah, but Pastor Mark, the Bible says, let there, let there be light. Well, he is light. He is light. Amen. As a matter of fact, John says, God is light. 
And in him, there is no darkness at all. He is absolute light, absolute love, absolute life. And in him, there's no darkness, there's no death, there's no hatred. God said, let there be light. And the Spirit of God moved at the beckoning of the Creator speaking words from within. And verse 3, And God said, There let be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and he called the darkness night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Now you could track this right on through the book of Genesis, but what I want to point out for the sake of this teaching on the Holy Spirit is on the sixth day of creation, God created something altogether different. Woo, glory to God. On that sixth day, He created something altogether different. So let's look at Genesis chapter 1 and notice verse 26. The Creator is in action. The Creator is moving. He's moving in His people. He's moving through His people. He's moving right here in Hayward. He's moving right here at Heart of the Bay. He's moving in churches that will call upon the name of the Lord. Yes, he, is. he will move when he's invited yes. and where he's free to move. Yes. Amen. Genesis 1, 26. Amen. And God said, let us. When he says, let us, that you see the Trinity there. You see the Trinity oftentimes in verses like how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, Trinity in complete harmony at all times and in all ways. So he said, let us make man... In our image. It is vital to allow the revelation of the image of God in you to grow and to develop. So that you will see yourself the way that your creator sees you. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them, that's you and that's me, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creates, creeps upon the earth. So God created man, verse 27, in his own image In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. 
And then he blessed them. And he said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Subdue it. Take dominion over the earth with all of its vast resources. Over the sea, over the fish, and over every creeping thing that moves upon the earth. Let us make man in our image. He did not create this planet for himself. He did not need a natural world. He lives in heaven where the streets are not paved with gold, but where the streets are pure gold. I submit to you tonight that our creator created the earth for man. Because he wanted man to have a place of his own. And he wanted someone to fellowship with him. He wanted a companion. This is a major reason why we are born of God. So that we may commune with God. This is a major reason for the indwelling spirit and the spirit upon us that we may have communion, koinonia, partnership, and fellowship with him. Hallelujah. Never back down from reading the word. Never back down from praising God. Never back down from going to a good church. Stay in fellowship. See, he had angels. He had cherubims, didn't he? He had seraphims. He had heavenly beings. He had Michael. He had Gabriel. The Bible even talks about 10,000 times 10,000 of angels. Yet the creator was missing something. He wanted fellowship with someone like you And someone like me on a different plane. He is a spirit. And the father of spirits wants spirit to spirit fellowship. Spirit to spirit fellowship. Now let's look at Genesis 2 verse 7. Genesis the second chapter. And the seventh verse. Whoo, glory. (laughs) And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. Just as he said, me be. He breathed into man. Me be. And man Became a living soul. Listen very carefully. The word formed in this verse. In the original Hebrew. Means to mold. Or to squeeze into shape. God did not slap something together. Like you may have done for dinner tonight. Or you may do for breakfast in the morning. He just didn't slap us together. Come on, somebody. He skillfully designed man like himself. 
So for us to belittle ourselves, really, when you have understanding of this, is insulting to our Creator. Amen. So He breathed into man. He breathed into us the breath of life. Into Adam. He made him of the very same substance of himself. He said, I'm going to put me inside of him. And he won't just be a soul and a body like animals are. But I'm going to make man spirit, soul, and body. Say it with me. He made me spirit, soul, and body. Now, the verse that we want to look at for that is 1 Thessalonians. So let's look over there. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. This is absolutely necessary for us to get and to not allow to slip from us. If you don't understand spirit, soul, and body, your faith will not work. Because faith is of the spirit. If you don't have an understanding of spirit, soul, and body, you'll always be tripped up in your love walk because love is a work that comes out of your spirit. The love of God is shed abroad, not in our head, but the love of God is shed abroad in our heart. So as we learn to live out of our heart and commune with him who is in our heart, it will be easy for us to flow in the recreated power of God and in the love of God. Good. Amen. Amen? Yeah. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. And the very God of peace. Thank God he's a God of peace and not a God of turmoil and stress. May the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. Here's Paul praying this. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's pull that up in the Amplified Version. I love the way it says that in the Amplified. Notice with me, spirit soul, and body. Amplified version uh, says this as we get it up there. The God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. Separate you. That's what sanctify means. Separate you from profane things. Make you pure and holy consecrated to God. That's God's will. Is it the will of God for me and you to be fully consecrated? And separated to him. And then he says, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved sound and complete and found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. So we see from these verses this, that man is a spirit. He has a soul and he lives in a physical body. Someone once said... That when people talk about spirit, soul, and body, they usually put the body first. 
Why do they do that? I don't know if you've ever heard anybody quote body, soul, and spirit. That is not the order of God. That is not the order of the Word of God. And that is not the order of the Spirit of God. I personally believe that when people talk about body first, it's because they're more body conscious than they are spirit conscious. We live in a noisy world. Have you noticed that your body will talk to you? It's nine o'clock. It's time for that bowl of ice cream. <laughs> you have Rocky Road every time at 9 p.m. Your body will talk to you. Look at that. I want that. Let me get that. So much noise. So much noise. And if we live our lives up here and not down here, we will be swayed toward the physical instead of swayed toward the spiritual. It's a noisy world. And that's why in Isaiah, he says, they that wait upon the Lord. Sometimes you just got to unhook and connect with him and stay that way. I believe we ought to reverse it. I believe we ought to do it the Bible way and become more spirit conscious than we are body conscious. And become Holy Ghost minded on the inside. Look at your neighbor and say, become more God inside minded. See, it's the spirit of man by the Holy Spirit on the inside who is to dominate us and dominate our lives because he is the one in contact with the spirit of God. How many of you know when the physical body is dead and in the grave, the spirit lives on? Why? Because that part of man, your spirit man, is not temporal. Your spirit man is eternal. Real spirits, the real you, will never die. Oh, man. Paul addressed this over in in Philippians. Let's look at Philippians chapter 1. And notice with me in verses 23 and 24. Philippians 1. Paul was kind of wanting to go on to be with the Lord. But yeah, he was still kind of pulled to stay here. Anybody ever been there? I think probably everybody's been there. But Paul is, he's questioning here, he's, He puts it like this in verse 23. He says, for I am in a strait betwixt two. Having a desire to depart and to be with Christ. Which is, by the way, how much better? (laughs) He didn't say it's a little bit better. He says it's far better. It's really difficult for me to get disturbed when someone goes. It really is. I I really don't like seeing someone taken out in the prime of life. I don't believe that's the will of God or the plan of God. I don't like seeing that at all because my desire as a pastor is for everyone to find their race, fulfill their race, and to finish their race. 
But I'm telling you, when people have run their race and they've gone on to be with the Lord, on the inside of me, I get excited. I think, oh, thank you, Lord. They're in glory. They are in heaven. Now, of course, from the natural point of view, you're going to miss people. You'll have to deal with your emotions. But never feel sorry for a person that has gone on to be with the Lord. I'm going to say that again. Never feel sorry for a person that's gone on to be with the Lord. If they could, they wouldn't come back. Are you kidding me? To what? Ooh, glory to God. So Paul's going to live. He says, I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better or better by far. Nevertheless, to abide or to live in the flesh. In other words, to stay here in my body is more needful for you. Paul's going to live. Whether in the body or out of the body, he's still going to live. If he abides or lives in the flesh, then he can teach the church at Philippi and be a great blessing to them. Amen? I'm sure of one thing, that when Kenneth E. Hagin left this earth, he did so by choice. I don't believe the sickness and disease took him out. I believe that he knew the time of his departure was at hand. And he was ready to go. But oh, how needful and what a great blessing he was while he's here. But the good news is he's still a blessing through his books, through his tapes, through his videos. How many of you were over there in Hayward on 2045 Royal Avenue when we had those Holy Ghost meetings? Woo, glory to God. You should listen to those tapes every now and then. Amen. Listen to those CDs every now and then. Well, they were tapes in some of them. It's all right. I can be corrected. (laughs) I'm used to it. Whether in the body or out of the body on that, I I just I just can't tell. Whether in the spirit or in the flesh, I don't know. (laughs) But if he abides or lives in the flesh, he can teach them. That'd be more needful for them. But it would be far better for Paul himself to depart and to be with Christ. Here's what Paul was saying. I'm going to live in the body where I'm going to depart and I'm going to be with Jesus. Now, the question is this, who's going to depart? Was Paul's body going to depart? No. Paul's talking about the inward man, the spirit man, who lives on the inside of his body. Now, you'll see if you look at the teachings of Paul, and I highly recommend reading the epistles. But you'll look at the epistles of Paul that he talked about the spirit man a lot. Paul was very spirit conscious. 
he would use different phraseology or different ways to describe this spirit man. But Paul taught these same truths over and over again to the churches because the churches needed to get it. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, for example. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Say it with me. I am a spirit. I have a soul. And I live in a physical body. In 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Did you wear your shouting clothes tonight? All right. This is a shouting church. Like Brenda said the other night, don't lose your shout. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16, it says, For which cause we faint not. Now, in life, you're going to get plenty of opportunities to faint. Life is not for the faint-hearted. Life is for those who are strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I mean, it's for all of us, but I'm talking about to really partake and enjoy life to its fullest, you can't be faint. That's why he said in Galatians, he said, let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season, we are going to reap. I said, we're going to reap. We're going to reap if under the condition that we don't faint. So I know just by human nature and just by the virtue of the fact that I've pastored this church for 35 years, I know naturally what people oftentimes are going through. I know in the spirit many times of what people are going through without anybody telling me. But whatever you are going through, whatever you are facing, don't lose hope and don't give up. And don't think that you're the only one that has ever faced this test. Come to the table and eat and stay strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Get yourself in community. Get yourself with people that know how to pray and believe God and speak the word of God along with you. Amen. For this cause we faint not. And I like how he says this. Though the outward man's perishing. Though the outward man is decaying. Oh yeah. There'll come a day that either the rapture happens or the second coming happens. Or you just, glory to God, go on to be with the Lord. The outward man is decaying. But thank God there's a, a man on the inside of you that'll never get old. I said, there's a man living on the inside of you that'll never get old. Hallelujah. Though the outward man perish, the inward man, the real you, what's happening? The real you is being renewed day by day. Woo. Day by day. Now, this renewal that is available to believers is not just when we all get to heaven. This inward man is not waiting to get to be to go, go to heaven to be renewed day by day. Your inward man is being renewed day by day 
right now. And if you will learn to live according to the Spirit of God on the inside, you will see renewals take place in your life. It will be as if you're renewed in your spirit and renewed in your mind and quickened in your soul and even quickened in your body. For this life that's on the inside of you will quicken you and strengthen you and help you live even in the midst of tests and trials. Amen. So let's draw from him. Draw from him. One of the things that I do and not the only thing that I do. To draw from the inner man and to draw from the Spirit of God and experience constant renewals in my life is praying in the Holy Ghost. Praying in the Holy Ghost. And the time, the most that I need to do it is in the morning. You ever notice that your body just doesn't want to cooperate sometimes in the morning? You know, people are different. You know, people, some folks are night owls. Some people are early birds. They're up at four and five singing. And and you got one eye open at 730. Get your spirit moving. Paul put it like this. Stir up the gift. Stir up the gift. That word gift there is charisma or charisma. Mm -hmm. Stir up the gift. Mm -hmm. Why don't we just pray in the spirit for about a minute right now. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Oh, ma keshte le brande. E ele bokosa mandele vrete ma shoya. Just pray in English or praise in English. Oh, brafashen de kesite. Ma ando kasande kesule brande. Ah. Hallelujah. Out of, out of your innermost being, there's a flow. There's a flow. There's a, there's rivers. Ha, bosam ring dege shelamana. There's rivers. There's rivers. Rivers, rivers, rivers of life. Oh, brekiste mandola. Manso remingle boshtele mende. Samato rafashe. Brando ke shalabron, yenge dije la con omon yanda kanya no mondo, ye la prapasu uno mokete. Praying, praying in the spirit, praying in the spirit will charge your spirit man up. It will build you up on the inside and it will bring renewal and strength and it will keep you from being faint and it will help you triumph. Over the test and the trial. Amen. Let's raise our hands and thank him for it. Stirring up the gift. Stirring up the gift. Stirring up the gift. Hallelujah. Amen. My inward man is being renewed day by day. I'm being renewed day by day. Amen. Now, notice with me another verse of scripture. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 4. So here we see that there's an inward man, there's an outward man. The outward man is not the real you. The outward man is only the house in which you live. The inward man is the real you. And he never grows older. In 1 Peter 3 verse 4, look at this. But let it be the hidden man. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 4, but let it be the hidden man. Paul called it the inward man. Peter called it the hidden man. 
hidden to the natural eye, but not hidden to the Spirit of God. But let it be the hidden man of what? Let it be the hidden man of the heart. In that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet and spirit, which in the sight of God is of what? So in many places in the word of God, you're going to see the word heart. It's speaking most of the time of spirit. It's speaking of the real man. And it'll help you in your believing and in your faith to think like that. In the New Testament, for example, wherever you see the word heart where it's used, substitute the word spirit and you'll get a clearer picture of what the Bible is talking about. The spirit of man is the core of your being. Just like the core of the apple is the heart of the apple. Just like the heart, blood, the heart keeps pumping blood, all the other organs working in your physical bodies, the spirit of man is the core of the spiritual man. And that's why it's so important to develop him. Because your spirit is your connection with God. That's why Jesus said in John 4.24 that God is a spirit. And they that worship him must do what? They must worship him where? In spirit and in truth. Did you know that it's possible to come to a service at Heart of the Bay at 9 a.m. on our Sunday morning and 11 a.m. on Sunday morning and 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday night and 7.30 p.m. on Thursday night and never, ever really worship? Did you know that it's possible for the anointing to be so strong in this place? And not have it affect you one bit? Why? Because there's not a connection. There's not a spiritual engagement from a person's heart to the Father who is a spirit. This is something that you have to purposely do willfully and purposely And even if you have to start out by faith, and many times you do, you'll end up in the Spirit. On your way to church, pray in the Spirit. On your way to church, don't look at Ethel sitting next to you and saying, I wonder how long the preacher's going to preach today. We have... I wonder if P.T. is going to sing that song again. (laughs) I wonder if Pastor Mark's going to use the same illustrations again. What is up with that? Why don't you just get saved? (laughs) And get your heart active. Get your heart stirred up. Get excited about something. Be excited about the presence of God. Be excited about. Rather than standing at the back door 
like a deacon-possessed person. (laughs) Practice the presence of God in the shower. Practice the presence of God in the car. You know the sports talk shows are going to talk sports. You can get caught up with that later. But while you have that time in that car, there's nobody in there but you and Jesus. You and the Lord. And you may pull up to a stop sign, have one hand on the wheel and talking to the Lord. And maybe you put a hand up and start praising God and they look at you like, really, what difference does it make what they think? Who careth? Why? Because you're working on something. Come on, somebody. I said you're working on something. You are exercising your spirit. You're praying in the spirit. You're praising in the spirit. You're saying spirit words out of your heart. And your spirit, man, is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And the truth of the matter is, you do not have to be as exuberant as I just was there. You can have heart-to-heart communication all day long. All day long. I told Brenda this evening I was going to go upstairs and pray. She went to the back bedroom and the TV was on. She said, I thought you were praying. Well, I said, I'm watching the 700 Club, but I'm also praying in the Spirit. The shingles didn't come off the roof, I'll guarantee, all day long at the Thomas household. When I get on a bicycle, I put my iPad there, and I'm looking at scriptures. And I'm praying for you, Paul. And I'm praying for you. And I'm praying for you. And I'm praying in the Spirit. And there may be a person three bikes down from me, but they don't know. Why? Because it's just that heart-to-heart communication. Practice the presence of God. Practice the presence of God. Practice the presence of God. Stay in contact with Him. Stay connected with Him. You will be amazed at the things He'll show you. You will be amazed at what He will unveil to you when you haven't even really asked Him to do it. He'll just show you stuff. Come on, somebody, blow the shofar in Zion. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. Wow. And that's the introduction. God is a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth.
So it's critical in our walk to identify our spirit because it's where he resides and it's where he communicates with us. Amen. I thank God he gave us utterance tonight. I thank God for it. We've been encouraged. We've been fed. Let's stand up on our feet and give him thanks.